0: It is now my joint pleasure to uh, welcome our speaker this morning, our celebrity pastor, Pastor Jess. Let's give her a round of applause. Jesse has two friends over there. <laughs> I want to describe Jess. Jess is one of the people in this church who was at kids' church, youth, and ordained as a pastor. Discipleship does work. She's a discipleship pastor. Let's welcome Jesse Busisiwe Smith. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Sai, for that amazing introduction. (laughs) But discipleship does work. Send your kids to kids' ministry. (laughs) Amen. Great. We are in a series at the moment called Power in the Name, looking at the names of God throughout Scripture and what they show us about who God is and why knowing who God is changes everything that we need to know what his characteristics are so that we know the God that we are interacting with and how he changes my every day, right? That it's not just a God like any other, but he is set apart in character. And that's what we're looking at, that we would fall more in love with this Jesus, whose powerful name he has given to us. Last week, Pastor Simon preached on El Roy, the God who sees, from Genesis 16. And next week, we'll be looking at Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Today, we are talking about Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. We'll be looking at the story of Gideon, because he was the one who named God, God is my peace. He declared that name and built an altar to him, and Gideon was facing both Challenges in his nation, external conflict and internal conflict. That his nation was in turmoil. There were things that were broken all around him. But more than that, Gideon's soul was broken. And he had lost hope. And Gideon needed to encounter God in order to find peace again. But moreover, God used Gideon to bring peace to his nation. To be a bringer of peace wherever he was. And that's what Jehovah Shalom does, that he gives us peace and enables us to be bringers of peace wherever we go. So we'll be looking at that today, but let's just pray as we begin. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, that you are our peace. Not anything else can give us peace like you do, Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts this morning to see the areas where we need your peace, Lord. To examine why we are not accessing the peace that you have given us, Jesus. Even as we reflect on 2017, Lord God, it's so easy to remember the challenges and the difficulties and to feel like we don't have peace. But I pray that this morning, Jehovah Shalom, you would come in, and change us. Do what only you can do, Jesus. Change us to become more like you, Lord, to encounter your peace, Jesus. Holy Spirit, convict us. Where we have stepped outside of your peace, where we have not believed that you were enough, come and convict us this morning. We commit this time to you, Jesus. Amen. Great. If you can turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, we're going to be reading most of this chapter, and so I would encourage you to follow on in your Bibles, um, because it's quite a long chapter. Judges 5 ends with the story of um, Deborah, who was the judge before Gideon, and how she ruled out, ruled out, she conquered the army of Sisera and um, brought Israel into that promise again, but Israel had peace for 40 years after Deborah, and then we pick up the story from Judges chapter 6. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves dens that are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkey. They would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites and those in whose land you dwell but you have not obeyed my voice now the angel of the lord came and sat under the terebinth at orpa which belonged to joash the abiezrite while his son gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the midianites and the angel of the lord appeared to him and said the lord is with you o mighty man of valor And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. So Gideon said, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I have come to you and bring my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went to his house, prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, the broth he put in a pot, and he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Now the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that it had been an angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. To this day it still stands at Orpah, which belongs to the Abizrites. That night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherah pole that is beside it. We are going to stop there. God bless the reading of the scripture. Amen. Amen. Gideon has this interesting situation where his nation is in turmoil. They have been conquered and invaded by another nation and the midianites were taking their produce right they were wasting the land and destroying everything there so that the israelites could not even provide for themselves to the point that gideon was hiding the little wheat that he had in the winepress but it's more than just gideon's nation we can see that he was in turmoil because when the angel says to him behold mighty man of valor god is sending you he said where is god If God is with us, why are bad things happening to us? A question that we ask all the time. Where is God? All of a sudden, things are going south. And if God is good and he's supposed to be omnipresent and everywhere, where is he now? And Gideon, after the angel vanished, it said that he heard the voice of God speaking to him. And only when God said peace unto him did Gideon find peace. And built that altar to him he found peace before the Midianites had been conquered before his nation had changed before his family had changed he found peace because of God and in God's presence was there peace enough for him to build that altar you see it's only God's presence that gives us peace It is not in what God does for us that we find peace. It is not in God delivering us that we find peace. It is in God's presence that we find peace. And that is what caused Gideon to build this altar. And so this morning we're going to look at how we can have peace in God to deal with uh, internal conflict and peace with God to deal with external conflict, the things that surround us. When, when God spoke to him and said, you know, that peace be unto you, you shall not die, that Gideon's revelation was so strong, right, that this God is my source of peace. Not anything else. Not, not, not what is around me, because that's how his interaction with the angel started. Where the angel said to him, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, mm, if I look around me, there's just turmoil around me. There's no peace here. So how can God be with me? And then the angel answered his cry and he said, well, you're going to go and defeat the Midianites. I am with you. But then Gideon looked at himself and he was like, whoa, if I'm the answer, then we're still in a bad situation because I am the least of my clan. What can I do? It was only when Gideon looked above him to who God was that he found peace and you will never be able to have enough wit or strength or might or humor to be good enough for every situation you are not enough to give yourself peace your abilities will fall short and your surroundings will fall short you may have peace now but tomorrow you may not even jesus promised us trouble but it is only him and his presence in which we find peace It wasn't just gideon that called god the god of peace isaiah said that he's the prince of peace and in ephesians it says that for he himself is our peace because he has removed the divide between mankind that in him in jesus we are all on a level playing ground and therefore we can have peace because we are all the same before god that that he is our peace so the only way for us to find peace is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He didn't just start it off, but he will work it out in us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is really a continual choice (laughs) to keep my soul anchored in Jesus. He will be the resting place of my soul, not anything else, but Jesus will be the answer of my peace. And I believe that peace has a posture and that this is the posture of peace. Looking at Jesus, surrendered to him, with my eyes focused on him. In Isaiah 26, it says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Our job is to keep our minds stayed on Jesus, and he will keep us in perfect peace, because he is our peace the last few weeks have not been particularly easy for me. And it's not because of any one thing that has gone wrong. It's just that all my relationships lately have felt a little like... Ugh. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just... Ugh. where it's, it's almost like I can't... I'm not connecting the same way with people as I thought I should. And so I'm kind of feeling a little like abandoned and rejected in all my relationships and not finding peace. Right. And so, you know, I go before God and it's like, I just don't have peace here. I could go to all of the people in my life, which is a long list of people and try and deal with the problem. But I can't really articulate the problem. Right. So I would probably just be creating an awkward situation. You know, when like you speak to somebody like, you know, when you said that thing and they were like, what? I didn't do anything and then it just creates an awkward situation. So I probably would just be creating a problem instead of fixing a problem. But I also don't believe that it is a good thing to fix all my relationships so that they love and accept me the way that I want to be loved and accepted. Cause then I just have to keep tweaking my relationships all the time instead of fixing the problem, which is me being accepted, right? Instead of all my relationships feeding into that place. That it should come from God and God only and my relationships will echo what I already have in God so it was this okay can't really speak about it the other option I could do is to bury my feelings and I'm really really bad at burying feelings so that wasn't really gonna work but I also don't think anyone should bury feelings because where you bury your feelings in your heart it just becomes hard there until eventually you just have a hard heart So the only thing I could do was to say, God, I will choose that you are my peace. And I will go before you in prayer and stay praying and talking about this stuff until you are peace in me. And until I have felt the peace of your presence, and then I will take that peace into every situation I face. That time in prayer of fixing my eyes on Jesus and staying in this posture until it doesn't matter. What else is going on around me? Because he is my peace. And I will discipline myself to get peace from him and him alone. Because I think a lot of the time we're like, Jesus is my peace. And the house you will give me will also be my peace, Jesus. And we add on to what our peace looks like. Especially having been Christian for a while. That it starts out with one thing and my soul being happy and then it starts to change because I'm used to this now. I need some other stuff in order to feel peaceful. And we don't have the discipline of staying in Jesus and letting him and him alone be the source of my peace. Scripture very clearly shows us that the way that we fix our eyes on Jesus is through prayer. And prayer is how we access his peace, right? That, that position of staying in God. Philippians 4, we all know the scripture so well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which passes and transcends and cannot be limited to any understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus praying staying in prayer is how i can access that peace it's very difficult to feel the peace of god's presence when i don't spend time in his presence and it's really this discipline right it's it's not as easy as just okay lord give me peace hallelujah and then i run off to work because i'm late and i just never make time for jesus And so then my peace is up and down because I'm not actually spending the time saying my soul is going to be anchored in Jesus first before anything else. I will keep my soul here. I will put a boundary around my soul that it belongs in Jesus' hands. And nothing else is going to determine my peace. Not my relationships, not my car, not my house, not my job, not my finances. Jesus will be my peace. I think that um, another thing that we do subconsciously is that this, this posture, this position of staying with our eyes fixed on Jesus, it's great, but it feels like if I stay in this place, I'm actually just going to be walking around like this, and I'm going to knock into things and fall over and stumble and trip, and it's actually just irresponsible. I've got to deal with the stuff in front of me, Jesus. I can't spend all my time just looking at you. Like There's stuff happening around me that I have to deal with. And we subconsciously assume that this cannot happen at the same time as this. Instead of the faith that it takes to keep my eyes on Jesus no matter what. And believing that if my eyes are on him, he will lead me into paths of righteousness. And where he tells me to go, I will not stumble. That that is faith. And faith is evidenced by your deeds. Which means that when you respond to a situation, the way you respond will show you what you have faith in. It takes faith for us to stay in that place. That God is enough and his plan is enough for me. That he is my peace. And being with him means I have peace. Peace through God. Right? How do we handle external conflict? the stuff around us. I mean, Gideon, after he had had this revelation of peace, he still had to go and fight the Midianites. He still had to go and get the army together. But it wasn't done in a way that any of us would have done things. Not even Gideon. He didn't want to do it this way either. It was done with 300 men that only God could have chosen through how they drank water. Right? It was this miraculous, doesn't-make-sense solution to driving out an army of 120,000 people. But God's way of bringing peace won't make sense to you. He doesn't do things our way. And so when we're asking Him for a, a solution, do what He tells you to do. Because that is how you will find peace. And really what, what it is is, is, is it is living righteously. Righteous living is not logical. It doesn't really make sense to us. It doesn't make sense for me to turn the other cheek when someone slaps me. It doesn't make sense for me to give double when somebody asks me for something. It doesn't make sense that I should love my enemy. None of those things make sense. But if I do them, I will find peace. Because righteousness leads to peace. Isaiah, I think it's 26 or 32, one of them. It says that... um, Righteousness, the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah 32. Sin cannot lead to peace. So here's the thing, right? You can't say, I have peace about something that is contrary to the word of God. You may feel like you have peace about living with your boyfriend, but it's not peace from God. Because only righteousness will lead to peace. And we will find ourselves in conflict with things around us because of that. Because our sin will lead to conflict with things around us. If we think about the story of Gideon, the Israelites' problem with the Midianites began with their sin. They turned their backs on God and started worshiping other things. And that's when stuff went south. And our problems are because of our sin or other people's sin. That sin causes the brokenness around us. And that is why righteousness is the answer to finding peace. So we have to discipline ourselves to live righteously. But if we're talking about righteousness, the opposite of which is sin, we have to know what sin is. Sin is not bad things that hurt people. Those are part of sin, but sin is actually a lot deeper than that. Romans 14 says, For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That is hectic. Yeah. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Like the standard is high. Because I can pray faithless prayers. Where I am asking God for things, but I don't really believe that he's going to do anything for me, and I'm just making my plan anyway. It's what Abraham and Sarah did. They didn't really have faith that God could give them a baby. I mean, they had been waiting like 90 years, but still. So they made their own plan. And it caused a huge problem, and the effects of that plan are still causing huge problems in the world today. Your plans will cause conflict around you if they are not in the faith that God has given you. We have to stay in faith to stay in that posture, right? That I have faith in God, not in what God can do for me. I have faith in who He is, not in what He will give to me. I'm not making other plans to make God's promises fulfilled in my life. I'm just trusting in Him and that He will do them. The temptation is very high when situations are difficult to do things our own way because we don't know where else to go and that is why it is a discipline to stay your mind on god to fix your eyes on jesus that he and him alone is the source of your peace difficult circumstances also reveal idols in our lives like i was saying earlier that the, the way that they shake things up and what you do in response to those circumstances will show what you really have faith in. And you will find yourself at conflict when you have more than one thing that you're worshipping because the different value systems of those two gods will tear you apart. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve two masters because it will tear your soul apart And it is an opportunity that you have when things are rough to notice what else is my confidence in aside from God, so that I can pull my soul back and say, No, I will have peace in Jesus and Jesus alone. Some of the idols that I've had to pull down is things like being loved by other people. It's such an idol for me. It's like I I just want everyone to think I'm amazing all the time, and they must all love me. Thank you, Sai. But it's a problem because then when God's telling me to do something, if it doesn't make other people happy, I don't want to do it. And it will pull my soul apart. We have to notice what else am I getting comfort from? What else am I defending to the point that I don't want to let this go? I don't want to give it to Jesus because those are idols. Gideon, the first thing he had to do was break down the idols of his father's house. And he was so scared. He did it at night. He was, because he was terrified. But we have to be like, well, maybe not like it, and maybe a little bit braver, but confident enough to root out idols and say, no, I'm not going to settle for this. I know it's wrong. I'm going to repent, because Jesus is my peace. So some of the modern altars that we set up, the idols that we worship, being successful... Which really means that I define what success is. Because God has a picture of success for your life. But the idol is that you define it instead of God. That it includes a shiny car and a large house. Or it includes a beautiful husband. That, that those things are just things. If we make them the definition of success, then we, we, then we create an idol. Addictions which can be things like alcohol or TV, social media, chocolate, addictions that we have to root out so that I'm not getting my comfort from anything other than God relationships, putting a relationship above God. And it's a fine line because there are relationships that we have to sacrifice for. But we cannot choose those above god and we cannot sacrifice more for those relationships than we do for god i grew up in a single mom home my mom is amazing single moms are amazing if you're a single mom i salute you you are amazing there is so much that you sacrifice and i would see the sacrifices of my mom And it's heartbreaking to hear some of the things that she's gone through to provide for me and my sisters. But if I lived my life to protect my mom, that would become an idol. And if my mom lived her life to protect me, I would be an idol for her. That relationships are good, but they can cross the line. And we need to make sure that we honor God above all of our relationships. That I am not living my life for my child, or for my husband, or for my boss. I am living it for Jesus. Security is another idol that we usually have. And it's usually through money, financial security. Having that safety net that I will be okay no matter what. Being loved and approved of by others. It's another idol that we set up. And it's so easy in this generation to focus on how many followers i have and how many people like me and am i the most fashionable person in the world instead of letting jesus be the person whose delight we delight in i want him to be proud of me not anybody else that he will be my peace so in conclusion jehovah shalom the god who is our peace needs to be the space that we anchor our soul in in order to deal with that internal strife and to deal with that place where we don't know how to fix the problems that surround us. He has solutions for your problems, but it's a miracle. It's going to be 300 men who drink water like this that are going to be the ones that root out the army. It's going to be you when you don't think you're good enough. That's going to be the one that changes your surrounding that it is not in your ability or in your circumstances that you will find peace. That peace is fleeting. It is only in Jesus and fixing our eyes on him and having faith that says, I will stay here no matter what, no matter what this looks like, because he is my anchor. He is my source. And his promise to us is that when we stay our minds on him, he will give us perfect peace. So if you're here and you feel like I don't know what else to do to access peace, keep your mind stayed on Jesus. He will give you peace. That is his promise to you. And in his presence, you will find peace. Amen. Can we all stand together as we pray? Jesus, I thank you that your promises are true, Lord God, that you are faithful, Lord. You never leave us and you never forsake us, Jesus. You are with us in every storm, in every situation, but you never change. You are always at peace. You are not worried about tomorrow. You're not worried about our jobs. You're not worried about our families. You are always at peace. And Jesus, right now I pray that you would expose idols in our hearts, Lord. You would show us where we've given our souls to things that are not of you, Jesus. Where we're letting ourselves be ruled by multiple value systems, Lord God. And we choose, Lord, to repent, to repent of looking to a person or a situation to be our peace. We take our souls and we've put them back in your hands, Lord. They are yours. We give all of ourselves to you, Jesus. May you be our peace, Lord. May you cover over every part of our lives. And we declare that you are enough. You are enough. You are our source, Lord. Our peace is in you and you alone. We fix our eyes upon you this morning, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.